Good morning. Now we get to hear from the word of God to us. From Mark 16. Now, after he had risen early on the first day of the week, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and reported to those who had been with him while they were mourning and weeping. When they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they refused to believe it. After that, he appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking along on their way to the country. They went away and reported it to the others, but they did not believe them either. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed in my name. They will cast out demons They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. Amen. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you, Mark, for leading us in prayer. Uh, big shout out to Raylan and the band. Appreciate them leading us in worship this morning. And want to let the, the kids go uh, for their time in Sunday school. And if some of you adults want to head with them, that would be fine as well. I won't be offended. Uh, but no. Uh, hey, thanks for, uh, for being here this morning. Uh, my name is Asher Sargent. Uh, one of the newbies on our staff, uh, just getting ready to celebrate seven months here as your global outreach pastor. And uh, yeah, woohoo! I, that's what I'm saying. I, uh, for me, this is my dream job, and I feel the last 30 years of ministry has led me to, to this time here with Cole, and I'm excited to, to be a part of our family. And uh, my goal is to help mobilize people for the kingdom. And uh, Lord willing, we'll. Uh, Raise up laborers out of our body as well as we'll support our workers that we've got in the Middle East and Asia and some in Europe and some other parts of the world as well. But uh, it's great to, to be here this morning with you and to open up God's word. Uh, even though, you know, if you looked at the, the passage, if you read the footnotes, uh, you know, some think this passage shouldn't be there. And if you, you know, were here last week to hear Jackson or, or listen, to, uh, listen to his message, he, he thinks this passage shouldn't be there. So, um, you know, I kind of joked with Jackson, what, what did you get me into? And, and he said, well, Asher, I, I gave you a choice, and this is the week you chose. I, I, could, have, uh, I could have taken next Sunday, which uh, we're going to begin the book of Ecclesiastes, but I, I really didn't. I thought, man, that's actually tougher than this, dealing with this passage. But may, I, I don't know. We'll see when we get done. But, uh, uh, you know, I've got several connections with the Cole family, and uh, one of them is, uh, is uh, Burns, Oregon. And uh, some of you have heard stories over the years from Jackson and 
that he grew up in Burns. And uh, my wife and I and a daughter and our son had the privilege of uh, serving there in Burns at Faith Baptist a couple of years after Jackson left. And, uh, and so I got to know a number of the Kramer family. And, uh, and actually, one, you know, one of the th- joys about getting older, though, is uh, seeing students. I was a youth pastor, seeing students who you had in the ministry grow up. And, you know, Ben, uh, ben Kramer was one of those young men. And uh, I've got some stories I could tell you about Ben. But, but more importantly, the story I want to tell is that, man, this is a guy who um, loves the Lord loves his family and loves his daughter Gabby and what a privilege for me to be on this other side of life with him and uh, others here as well. But um, uh, part of my time there in Burns, we uh, had a a partnership with a a church down in Ensenada, Mexico. And uh, Pastor Alejandro was uh, um, uh, a young pastor and uh, he was out of a a church there in Ensenada and they were planting another church and we were able to come alongside them at the very beginning when they actually were just breaking ground at a building and uh, spent a number of years uh, taking young people and adults down there to partner with them. And uh, one Sunday I had the, the privilege of uh, speaking. And I don't know if any of you guys have been in a Latin context service, but you know it's, it's a little different than what we have here at Colt. Uh, for example, the worship tends to go about an hour and then they have a sermon, and then, you know, so on and so on. And, you know, usually it could be two, three hours long before they're done. And, and sometimes, you know, they'll take a little break, and then they, you know, they wind it up and get going again. But uh, for them, part of it is that's the only day of the week they have an opportunity to come together. So it's important for them to study the Word, to fellowship, and so on. And on the Sunday when I got to preach, I, I knew I, you know, I needed to... I, I tend to be kind of in the 20, 30-minute range when I speak, because... Quite honestly, that's usually about as much material as I have. But also, I think people kind of, they tend to start, you know, fading out after 30 minutes. But, um, but I knew here, man, I, I had to crank it up and at least, you know, get about 45, good 45 minutes in and with the translation. And so, man, I went for it, had a great time. And Pastor Alejandro got up afterwards and said, way to go, Pastor Asher, that was good. And then he went into part two. And he really re-preached what, what I had just preached. And I think he cleaned up some theology and some, I, I don't know. Actually, I'm not quite sure of everything he Said, but I know he just re-preached the passage, uh, which I which I appreciated because he knew even more what his people needed to hear. Uh, but it reminded me too that sometimes, you know, we have an opportunity to come alongside other or follow other people. And uh, and as I was listening, I wasn't here last weekend, but I was listening to Pastor Jackson's sermon on Wednesday, and I went, "Oh shucks!" His title is the same title I picked, and then he was talking about the resurrection. Man, it's the same stuff I'm going to be talking about. So here's part two this week. Um, <laughs> But, but with that, you know, we get into, as I mentioned, um, a passage where first, you know, I'm going to have to talk about, well, hey, this was a passage that maybe shouldn't be here. And then there's two other kind of fun little theological stuff we need to look at. That one is about baptism, because if you caught the little phrase there, it says they'll be saved. Um, not only do they have to acknowledge who Christ is, but they need to be baptized to be saved. Well, that's, we don't quite teach that here at Cole, but we'll unpack that. And then that last thing is that whole piece about the signs that are going to accompany their word. And so I've got some snakes in the back here I'll bring out in a little bit, but um, I got some poison. You know, we got some Kool-Aid in the back. And No, I, I'm just kidding, but we're going to look at that as well, and, and I think God's got some direction for us. But uh, before we jump into it, will you join me in prayer? Father, thank you uh, for this morning. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to open your word. And uh, I just ask that um, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing in your sight and that you would open your spirit uh, to us this morning to hear what you would want us to hear. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. 
Uh, well, those of you guys who've been with us for a while, um, you know at Cole, we're, we're a, a church that we go through a book of the Bible. And it doesn't matter kind of what's going on in the world or that particular weekend, but we start at verse 1 and we make our way all the way, in this case, to, to chapter 16. And what do we got? Uh, verse 20. And so we've been at this. I, I look back since I've only been here seven months. We started a year and almost seven months ago, uh, the 1st of July in uh, 2015. So some of you are saying, whew, thank you, Lord, about time we get on to uh, a new passage. And so uh, so you're in luck. Next week, we'll, we're going to start the book of uh, Ecclesiastes, and we'll be in that, for, I think, for about a month. And then uh, the elders are going to, and the preaching team are going to lead us into uh, the book of Isaiah. And boy, Isaiah, that's got a few more chapters in verse 16. So that's, that's going to be a journey together. But I'm looking forward to what the Lord has in store for us. But as we wrap up our, our journey here in Mark this morning, as I mentioned, and as you see in your footnotes, and actually for most of you in your translation, you've got these little brackets around the verses 9 through 20. And the reason for that, as you can read in the footnote, is some scholars believe that this part of the scripture wasn't in the original manuscripts. And as scholars have looked back um, on some of those earliest records that we have, um, it, it, is, it isn't there. Um, but then a little bit later, um, in, you know, back then we didn't have copy machines. And so people hand-wrote uh, the different translations. And as those passed on, a couple of those later trans translations uh, found this passage in there. Um, and I don't really have time this morning, and, and actually I'm not really an expert in kind of unpacking all the, the theologi- theological you know, basis around this, but for me, I, I'm more of a purist. You know, it's in my Bible, and so I'm going to say, okay, God wanted it to be there, and so we're going to look at it together today. But I think, you know, really more importantly is that as we look at this, uh, the truths of, um, of these verses, actually, we can see in other passages in the New Testament that support what's written here, uh, except verse 18, that's that, that fun one about the, um, about the serpents and, and the poison and stuff. So that, actually, we don't see that anywhere else in Scripture. But, so we're going to take this as God's Word this morning as, as we jump into it. And right away, as we start in verse 9, and uh, the first few verses here, the thing that jumps out to me is that phrase that said, He appeared. And uh, there in verse 9, it says, He, this is talking about Jesus, and this is after His death, so it's talking about he has ra- He's been raised from the dead, He's been resurrected. He first appeared to Mary, and He told her then to go tell the disciples that, that He is alive and that she has seen Him. And then from there in verse 12, He says, He appeared in a different form to two men, and that's the, the two disciples that were on their way to Emmaus after, after the Lord's crucifixion, after um, the Sabbath and the Passover. They're making their way to Emmaus. And then finally, he came and he appeared to the eleven. And, um, and why I think this is significant is, is the fact that he wants us and his disciples and his early followers to realize that he is alive. That it isn't something that uh, just in their memory, they're remembering him talking about that he might come again. Uh, not that they're believing, boy, they would hope that he'd come back because he didn't quite accomplish what they thought. Uh, but really the reality that physically he was alive. And it, you know, if we doubt whether this is a part of scripture or not, I think we can get the confirmation of exactly what happened. And as Paul wrote several years later in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Verses 3 through 8, Paul wrote this, For what I have received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve, 
After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. So I think the significance here is that Jesus wanted his disciples to know that he was alive. And he wants the same for us as well. But what's amazing is here again we see the doubt of the disciples. They have people that they know very well, two of their disciples who come and say, we've seen Jesus. They've got Mary, who they know very well, come and say, we see Jesus. But yet they doubt him. And I, I don't know about you, but I can really relate to that. Um, man, I like to think I'm a man of faith, that I, you know, if the Lord tells me to do something, man, I'm jumping and I'm doing it. If I'm in the middle of a situation and I'm wondering, boy, how, Lord, how are you going to work this out? I've got the faith to move on. But, um, boy, even though I've been walking with the Lord a long time and have gone through some, some challenging things, I still doubt myself as well. And, um, and so even, you know, we can look, hey, disciples, you're right there with Jesus. How can you not have faith? Well, they're human, just like us. And even though they had the privilege of seeing the risen Christ, they still had some doubts. And, and Jesus admonished them for that. I think because he, he said, hey, boy, you have people that you trust came and, and said you saw me. Why isn't your faith there to believe? But what's really cool is even with their doubt, even with his admonishment, he goes on to commission them to do great things. And so, I don't know, that gives me hope. And even though when I mess up, even though when I doubt, God still has faith in me through Jesus Christ, that he has chosen me just as he has chosen you. Even when you doubt, even when you're concerned, even when you lack faith, he's going to say, I believe in you. I called you. You are mine. I've got something special in store for you. Hang in there. Life is going to get better. And boy, I am thankful that the disciples believe that because they're the ones who began to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's because of them that we are here today because in faith, even with their doubt, they move forward with that commission that the Lord had given them. So what does this mean for us? Why is this significant that Jesus is alive? Uh, well, first, just as I just said, is that commission that, um, that Jesus gave the disciples, he gives to us today as well in verse 15. And he said to them, go, in all to the go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. I mean, that same commissioning, that commandment that he gave them, he gives to us as well. We have a responsibility of those who follow him to share that news with others. Uh, for some of us, that means he's going to call us from Boise uh, area and he's going to put us in the Middle East. Uh, for others of us, it means we're, this afternoon we're going to visit with our neighbor and, and talk about spiritual things. Uh, some of us, it might mean that we're going to chat with our family about the difference Christ makes. Most of us, it should mean that we're going to pray differently. We're going to pray for open doors to the gospel. We're going to open up our wallets to give so that others can, can share that good news of Jesus Christ. But we're, we all have the responsibility to share that good news with others. And what is that good news? It's, that, it's something that is so powerful because it's so simple. And it's the fact that God loved us so much that he gave his son, Jesus Christ. Because God's original design was, as he created Adam and Eve, he wanted to create a world where men and women didn't sin. But what's amazing to me is God, you know, it could have been just simple. He could have just made them so that they wouldn't sin. But yet he gave them the freedom to make a choice, just as he gives us that freedom. 
Unfortunately, Adam and Eve chose to disobey God when he said, the only thing I ask of you is don't eat of this, this tree or this fruit. Um, but they were tempted and they gave in and they, they, they ate of the fruit. What that meant is then they, they, they uh, begin to, uh, to separate themselves from God because of sin. And because of that, that's been passed down to us. And so we have things in our life that separate us from a relationship from God. But because God loves us so much, that's where he gave his son, Jesus Christ. He wanted us to have that relationship with him as he originally designed it. But he, but he knew we were incapable of doing it. And so Jesus came and he, he took our place because our sin deser- is deserving a death. But because Jesus lived a sinless life, he became that sacrifice for us. And so God asked us just to believe in what Jesus has done for us. Receive that. Say, I'm sorry, man, I messed up. I need Jesus. And as simply as that is in faith you enter in, you then enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And for some of you today, this might be why God brought you here this morning. Because you need that relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we're here as a church to do, is to share that love of Jesus. And so I, if that's you, man, I, I pray you won't leave until you've either done business with God, grab somebody that's next to you and help them to explain the difference God has made in their life. But probably for many of us, we've, we made that decision, maybe some of us years ago. So the challenge is for you, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do as a result of the life-changing message of Jesus Christ in your life? You know, if you guys have been watching the news the last couple of weeks, it's pretty crazy, isn't it? What's going on here in our country, around the world? Um, Honestly, I I can't keep up with it. Um, Because just as I start to try to understand one situation, something else happens, and it's crazy. Um, And then even just this weekend with uh, the unrest there in Turkey, uh, we have workers there in Turkey that were um, uh, not directly affected, but yet um, um, it was some crazy moments for them on Friday night. Um, but I think for us as a church, as we move forward, um, it's going to look different for us as believers. If we take seriously this call to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, it's, it's going to require something different of us. Um, it might require some of us giving our life might require some of our, our workers giving their life. might mean we've got to give a little more. We're gonna, we might have to pray more. Well, actually, we, we should give more and pray more. Um, might mean some of us who are really comfortable here, God's going to shake you up and say, um, you need to go next door. You need to go to the next state. You need to go somewhere around the world. I, I don't know what it looks like for, it as, as, for us as a church um, I don't know how God wants me to help lead you with our elders into what he wants us to do as a church, but I know it's going to look very different than what it has because our world is very different today. The reason why the gospel isn't being preached in some of the places today is because they are some of the most difficult places in the world to live because it's illegal to share your faith. I mean, look at just in Russia the last week. I mean, thankful that we, Brian, your family had an opportunity to share Christ. That's, that's changed, and I don't know what it's going to look like in the coming years for your young life workers there, but the government said no more. You can't share Christ outside of the church. You can't invite people to church. You can't share your faith with your neighbor. 
you know, so I think the, our world looks very different today. But if we're going to go to these places, it's going to cost us something. And I don't, I don't know what that is, but I, I want to challenge us that we should be obedient, just like the disciples were. We'll have our doubts. We'll have our fears. Yeah, we're going to be wise about it. Um, yeah, I mean, that's why I checked in with our workers in Turkey this weekend. I want I wanted to make sure they're okay. Um, we actually had a couple uh, ladies who were going to visit them in the next week and a half. And, you know, they decided not to go. Actually, practically, one was leaving Wednesday. The, you know, the airlines aren't even flying into Istanbul, so that's a no-brainer. But, you know, we process together. Is it wise to go? Um, but on the other hand, I also know our workers there, what they're praying for is something like what just happened this weekend. They are praying that God would do whatever it takes to wake up people to see the need that they have for Jesus Christ. See, that's why I say it's going to look very different. You think about that prayer. If you follow it all the way to the end, it could be their life that God might choose to take for the sake of the gospel. Boy, that's scary for me to say, you know, because I'm also thinking about myself. What am I willing to do? But I just want to challenge us as a body that we do have a mandate. That's one of our core principles here at Goal, is to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, to those who've never heard. But it's going to look very different. So what are we willing to do? Well, as the passage goes on, um, uh, it reminds us as well that um, uh, that we live in a supernatural universe. And actually, I, sorry, I should jump back. I forgot about that little passage about the baptism. Um, maybe because I thought I don't want to deal with that one. But, hey, I will. Um, you know, actually, I, as we know from other parts of Scripture, that um, baptism follows faith in Jesus Christ. So some of you right now who are maybe thinking about um, that relationship with Jesus Christ, this is something that would come after you make that decision. And God gave it, I mean, there's just several things that really he commanded us really clearly to do. That first is just to receive him, but then with that, to, to, to share that news with others. Uh, but then there's two what we call ordinances that he asked us to, to do together as a family. One is to have communion, and that's to remember his death. That other is baptism, and that's really to help us remember the resurrection. It's to, to demonstrate what happened to us spiritually when we entered into relationship with Jesus Christ. In baptism, and that's why we do immersion here. That's why we dunk you all the way underneath the water. It's to show that picture of when you accept Christ, you're like buried. You know, you're buried because of your sin. You're dead because of that. But in faith, you're raised up to new life, and that water cleanses you, just like the blood of Jesus Christ, the symbol of the blood being shed for us. And that's why um, baptism is is really significant, because publicly it helps you declare to others that decision that you made in Jesus Christ. So you've got to realize, like today, if you make that decision, there's not going to be somebody at the back with a gun who's going to you know, take your head off because you made that decision. We live in a country where we're free to express our faith. You're free to respond as you want. Yeah, even though, yeah, it, you know, it's getting more challenging, okay? Um, but our disciples, they lived in a day where that's why they're hiding. Because their identity with Christ, they were concerned about their life and whether their life would be taken just like Jesus. So you imagine as they went out, that's the same message you're telling the people. And they're seeing people who are standing up for Christ with their life being taken. So that's why I believe here what, what the writer was really trying to remind us is that when these guys made, not only the disciples, but when others made that commitment to Jesus Christ, um, it, was a, it really was a life and a death 
decision that they're making. And one of the ways to confirm that was to publicly be baptized and declare what, had, what change had happened within their, within their life. Um, you know, I wonder sometimes if, if we were under some of that same challenge, um, what our response would be. Uh, I was in China several years ago and was meeting with some house church leaders and uh, was asking them, I'm, part of my reason for my visit was to see how we could maybe help them with some some resources or people from the U.S. and um, all three of these church leaders. And they uh, were very different in, because um, uh, in China, it's just like what's going on in Russia right now, it's illegal to talk about your faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, if someone asks you about it, you can respond to it, but I can't start a conversation. Um, so I asked, what do we need help? And he goes, well, you know, uh, actually, Asher, we, have, we don't need any help in evangelism. Because believers here, when they come to Christ, they all believe that they're going to die for their faith. So when they make that commitment, it's a life and death commitment. So they are extremely motivated because they see what difference Christ has made in their life. I think, wow, man, we don't live with that same pressure. But that pressure there has exploded the gospel. And pretty soon, probably China is going to be the largest evangelical country under the radar in, in the world. And I think it's because of the persecution. Because people have to make a decision, a real decision about what they're going to do in their faith. Um, so anyway, moving on here about these signs. Uh, well, I, I don't know about you, but I, I grew up in a tradition where, you know, these, these kind of passages, they said, yeah, they, they made sense back then that uh, Jesus' word need to be confirmed. But nowadays we've got his word, we've got testimony of others. We don't need the miraculous signs to confirm the truth of his, his gospel. Um, and, and I know I remember as a young person that sort of made sense, but it also didn't quite make sense to me either because I thought, who are we to say what God, what God can and can't do? And, um, yeah, I, I don't see too much here in, in our context. Um, you know, people drink and poison and, uh, after they share the gospel and, and live. And I don't see too many people grabbing a rattlesnake, you know, when you're cuddled around the campfire this summer talking about Jesus and that little rattlesnake comes up and bites you and you just, you know, fling it off like Paul did. I, that doesn't happen in our context very much. But in other contexts in the world, God is still doing some really miraculous things. And I think within the Muslim world, for example, a lot of them are coming to faith in Christ through visions, that God is giving them a vision of himself and a person of Jesus Christ. In often cases, he's, they're giving them a vision of someone from the north or south who is going to come and explain what this vision is. And that's how God has given, helps that Muslim have some validity to that worker who comes and shares the news of Jesus Christ. But also, I think if we're honest in our life, God still is doing some miraculous things in, in our own lives. When we think about the courage he gives us to do something, the faith to walk through a difficult situation, um, you know, some of us maybe have experienced healing in our life. Others have seen, you know, I, I don't know what it might be, um, but I, I know for me, I, I do see God working in some amazing ways. And sometimes it is very miraculous how he brings things together. So I want to encourage us. So even though we say, hey, this doesn't make sense about the poison and the snakes speaking in tongues, um, God will choose whatever he needs to help you see the reality of your need for Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage us not to limit God that we should live our life in such a way that we depend upon the miraculous. That's why I love working in developing countries. Because in a developing country, a, 
A believer depends upon God daily, where they're daily expecting God to show up to provide food for their family, first work so that they can buy food, um, protection from them uh, since they don't have the money for, for medical attention. You know, most of us are not really too concerned about our lunch today, dinner, even food this week. Um, you know, we're pretty well taken care of. And actually, if you look at, well, I won't say, for me, you can say I'm pretty well taken care of. I've got food there for a little while. But I am challenged by the faith of my brothers and sisters in developing countries who every day have to depend upon God in a very practical way. And I think, what would that mean for us if we lived that same way as well? is that if we challenged ourselves to, to live in such a way where God has to show up. And that doesn't mean that, you know, hey, we're going to go buy the lottery ticket, and, you know, if God, you know, God's going to show up. I, well, maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work. That, um, no, no, I better back up. I don't invite you to go out and buy a lottery ticket and expect God to show up. But my point is, is not to be reckless or foolish about it, but to do things for God's sake, where we challenge and stretch ourselves in a way where, where God is going to have to show up. So finally, uh, as this passage wraps up, in verse 19, it says, So then, when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And for me, uh, here the resurrection speaks of the fact that he is alive. That even though physically today we can't see him, he is alive. Wherever heaven is, I, I don't know if, you know, we always think of heaven up. I think heaven's more around us in the spiritual sense. Uh, but Jesus is hanging out with God, waiting for that day to come back and receive us to be with him. But that, that's what, to me, is what's significant because every major religion, leaders or ones that are, are, are still alive today, their leaders, they're either dead and buried or they're going to die, and they're going to be buried someday, and they're, they're done with. But our leader, the author of our faith, he is alive. And that's God demonstrating to us that what Jesus did for us is real. And so when you believe in him, you're not believing in some fairy book thing. You're believing in something that's real and alive and it's active, can change and transform your life for eternity. And we have the joy and privilege of sharing that life with others. You know, Cole has a rich history of working around the world. And that's one of the things that attracted me to come here. Um, just a few moments ago when, when um, John was sharing about their trip, um, a lot of churches don't get that couple of minutes once a month. Um, and we're blessed here that, at least for me, you know, once a month I've got some time to share about what God's doing. Uh, we have a lot of folks who pray and meet. Uh, all of our workers have got teams that surround them and support them. Uh, your, our budget here is generous towards our outreach workers as well as what we're doing here locally. And it's amazing that, like, Nick and Laura Armstrong are on staff here to reach out to the, the refugees in our community. Uh, I mean, that's, that's very rare today in churches. But, you know... We can do more. We can do more both personally within our own neighborhoods and around the world. And I know for some of you that is tough. I, and I know it's tough for me. I'm not an evangelist. I, I would like to just let God's light shine through my actions. It's a little bit easier for me. Um, but I know he gave me a voice. And I need to use that voice to share with other people. 
And one of the things I'm trying right now is uh, I've uh, got a confession. I, I love Diet Pepsi. And I know some of you guys love your coffee, and boy, kudos to you, but I, I'm not a coffee drinker. Uh, I'm a soda drinker, and that's how I get my caffeine. And I drink more than I should, I know, I know, and you could tell me that Diet Pop, and yeah, it's not good for you and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I'll tell you, growing up, I ate so many ding-dongs and Twinkies. Uh, I'm really well-preserved, and I think I'm going to last a long time. But, yeah, and, you know, if you want to, if you, you know, I'm kind of challenging you. If you want to challenge me about my Diet Pepsi, you know, go for it. But um, what I'm using it for right now is uh, a couple times a week, I stop at the corner store right across the corner here from Cole. And I'm trying to get to know the two guys. I'm an early morning guy, so about 6.30 in the morning, I pop in there. And I'm trying to get to know the guys. And by now they're thinking, I'm kind of weird because why does this guy come in here every, you know, every couple of, every couple of days at 6.30? Well, because I want to build a relationship with them. I want to get to know them. I want to share Christ with them. And it's easy for me when there's something, you know, when we're interacting over my Diet Pepsi. But for me, all I'm saying is I'm not perfect at this, but I, and I, I try. And this is one of my ways of, of others that I'm trying to reach out to people. But it's being intentional. Here's one of the things we have discovered as a family being here in Boise over Portland. Boy, it, personally, as a believer, it is a lot easier to be a believer here in Boise than it is in Portland. If I had a conversation with somebody who I first met in Portland, uh, I wouldn't tell them I was a pastor or a missionary. Um, usually it would take quite a ways in the conversation before I'd bring that up. You know, I wouldn't be dishonest, but I talk about it as a teacher or uh, when I worked for that short-term mission agency that I, I used to work with, I said I did humanitarian projects around the world. Because the reason I had to build a rapport, because if I came out and said as a missionary pastor, most conversations in Portland, the conversation would be over. But what's amazing here is we moved to Boise. How many, I mean, you know, you're just starting a conversation and, hey, you know, yada, yada, yada. And, yeah, we just moved to Portland. And we just moved to Boise. Oh, where'd you come from? Portland. Hey, well, what do you think about Boise? Oh, it's great. What are you doing here? Uh, well, I'm a pastor at Cole. Oh, you're at Cole? I know that church. Don't they have a yada, 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 yada? And it's amazing how many conversations I had that as soon as I said as a pastor, the conversation didn't end, it moved on. There's a different climate here in Boise than there is in other parts of the world and uh, parts of the U.S. Take advantage of that, okay? People don't, I, and granted, you're going to find some closed doors shut in your face, but for the most part, I have found people are more open and receptive to people of faith here. I mean, it's amazing to me to see stuff on the news and in the paper. I mean, it's great that they have that faith article every, in the Sunday morning. It's great that Dave Roper gets um, some time there as well. Um, but, you know, we would never see that in Portland. So take advantage of the climate that God has given us here. There's an open door to share your faith. Well, as we wrap up, I just want to remind us that our God, our Lord Jesus, he's alive. He loves you. He loves you so much that he gave his life for you. So today, respond to that love. Receive it. But then also live for it. Live a life that's worthy of the life that was given for you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you how you can take a, a passage of your word that um, is debatable, whether it should even be there in your word. Um, but yet out of it, we can see you. We can see your heart and love for us. Thank you. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who gave his life for us. And thank you now, as well as your children, that we have the privilege and the honor of sharing that with others. 
Uh, just help us, Father, each in our in our own way and in our own heart respond to your word as as you as you want us to. And I just pray your blessing upon each of us in the name of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.